0: Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. And I want you to take your Bibles, I hope you brought your Bibles, and turn them to the prophet Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. We're continuing to look at Malachi. Well, I don't know if you know our, our daughter, Kinsey. Our daughter, Kinsey, is in the middle of her first semester of college, way down at the University of Mobile, although she's here for uh, her brother's wedding. Uh, but, you know, she's way down there, and so while she's been down there on each Sunday, she's just visited a different church so she could find a place to get plugged into, to serve, and, and to get fed, and, and to spiritually uh, grow. And, you know, we're praying that she finds a place to be able to get plugged in and to build relationships and to strengthen her relationship with Christ, most importantly. Well, last Sunday, uh, after church, she and I had an interesting uh, text message exchange about the church that she had visited that day. And so she started the conversation by saying, if you're a preacher, you want to back up your sermon points with Scripture, right? And I said, yeah, that's generally how it's supposed to work. I mean, you would think. Um, well, she was asking that question because the, the, the church that she visited and, and um, the, the preacher there, um, he, he was preaching from just one verse uh, out of Jonah, which, you know, in and of itself isn't a problem. I mean, Spurgeon did that and things like that but it's you know it's okay if, if the points come from scripture if it's built on scripture within you know its context and so you know i, I explained to her you know there's different types of, of preaching you know there's topical preaching where you look at a particular topic and what the bible says about that topic but then there's you know expository preaching where you take a passage and then you know everything comes out of that passage But whatever method is used, Scripture needs to be at the center of it. Well, she was very concerned because even though the main idea had come from Jonah, the main idea of you cannot escape from God, the points that he made were not backed by Scripture. They didn't come from Jonah, and they didn't come from anywhere else because he would say a point, but then he wouldn't back it up with Scripture you know you can't escape from god it's foolish it's dangerous and things like that but you know so that but he didn't back those up with scripture where in the bible does it say that it's foolish where in the bible does it say that it's dangerous you know scripture uh you know she said that scripture was barely uh referenced and so for her it set off a red flag because you know we baptists we believe scripture is the final authority for our faith and practice and so you know, if a preacher is going to preach, his sermons ought to, oh, I don't know, come from Scripture, maybe. And I'm in, no pl- I'm in no position to criticize somebody else's preaching. I mean, my goodness, I could take one of my sermons and criticize it for weeks on end, um, things like that. But there was a red flag that just, there was a check in her spirit, I guess is one way that we, that we might put it. There, the Holy Spirit did a little check. In her spirit and she questioned it and you know one of the first thoughts that came in into my mind was yeah that's my girl yeah she's and then I'm like parenting when she knows what to expect from a sermon that a sermon should be uh, from the Bible we taught her well you know and, and all that but I was very proud that she recognized that if a church is going to be founded and if a church is going to do ministry, that ministry needs to be founded in the Bible. It needs to be a biblical ministry. But this story just highlights the problem that there is within Western culture Christianity. Christian, Western culture Christianity in our day and age is there to give self-help answers to life's problems. But the thing is, it's the Bible that has the answers that everybody needs. Today's Christian ministry and so many church ministries are weak because they do not get their power from God through the foundation of Scripture. But our generation is not the first generation to experience this. We've been studying in the book of Malachi, and we find that his generation ran into the same problem. And God warned them, for a ministry to please God, it follows his word. It follows his ways. And so the main point of what I want us to take away from today's passage, and hopefully you'll find it is based on scripture, is that a healthy church needs biblical expectations for their ministry. A healthy church needs to have biblical expectations for their ministry. I want to read Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9 today, where we find God warned through the prophet Malachi that the church leadership, well, the Jewish leadership, uh, and the Jewish religious leaders were not following the word. And so I want to read Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. God says through Malachi, Now you priests, this commandment is for you. If you do not listen and take seriously the need to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will send judgment on you and turn your blessings into curses. Indeed, I have already done so, because you are not taking it to heart. I am about to discipline your children and will spread awful on your faces, the very awful produced at your festivals, and you will be carried away along with it. Then you will know that I sent this commandment to you so that my covenant may continue to be with Levi, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. My covenant with him was designed to bring life and peace. I gave its statutes to him to fill him with awe. And indeed he revered me and stood in awe before me. He taught what was true. Sinful words were not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and integrity, and he turned many people away from sin. For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge of sacred things, and people should seek instruction from him, because he is the message of the Lord of heaven's armies. You, however, have turned from the way. You have caused many to violate the law. You have corrupted the covenant with Levi, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Therefore, I have caused you to be ignored and belittled, before all people to the extent which you are not following after me and are showing partiality in your instruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we take heed of the warnings that you give in Scripture. They are not only for those days, they are for our day. And Lord, I pray that your word would have its way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So Malachi is writing at a time when the Jews had returned from exile in Babylon and then the Medo-Persians took over. The Medo-Persians allowed the Jews to return home. And, you know, they were sent off into exile because they disobeyed God, they disobeyed his word, they were idolaters, and they generally just were foolish in the dealings with God. And you would think that they would have learned their lesson. You would have thought that they would have learned A lesson from the previous generations look what the previous generations did and it caused them to go into exile maybe we shouldn't do that but they didn't learn their lesson and they get back and it didn't take very long for everything to devolve into spiritual apathy spiritual indifference They didn't care about serving God. They didn't care about worshiping God. They really didn't care about having anything to do with God, but they went through the motions. I mean, we'll go through the motions of pretending to be religious, but we really just want to live for ourselves. They had apathy. They had indifference, and this bled into the leadership, and the religious leaders were not ministering the way that they should have. Now, you know, for the Jews, it was the priests that were the leaders of the ministry. God had chosen the tribe of Levi to be the one to, to minister in the tabernacle and temple, and uh, he chose from the line of Aaron to, for them to be the priests, uh, to worship before God and be the mediators between God and, and the Jews for their covenant. And at first, the Levites and the early priests, They showed a great zeal for God. They they showed a great zeal for His holiness. It meant something to them. They took their responsibility seriously. They knew that they they were the go-between between a people and a holy God, and they wanted the people to serve Him rightly. But then came the days of Malachi. And the leaders gave into the same indifference that the rest of the people suffered from the problem is that if the people are going to get out of their indifference toward god and the things of god they needed the leadership to be the ones to blaze that trail but they were just as indifferent as everybody else now we're a little bit different Uh, obviously the church doesn't have priests because we believe in the priesthood of the believer meaning that all christians are priests in the biblical sense We have one mediator, and that is Jesus Christ. You don't need to go through anybody else to get to God except through Jesus Christ. But there are ministerial leaders within the church, obviously, and for the church to be healthy, the church ought to expect that the ministries of the church are biblical. Everything that the church does is biblical. But, you know, maybe why it's important for you, who might not be ministerial leaders, is you need to have that expectation. You need to encourage a biblical ministry. You need to pray for a biblical ministry. You need to help the leaders maintain a biblical ministry. And we find from what God had told through Malachi, kind of some of the expectations. What does this biblical ministry look like? Why was God mad at them? What did they do? So let's consider... Uh, let's consider some of these lessons that God gave through Malachi. So first today, let's talk about the desire of biblical ministry. And what I mean by that is not our own desire for such a ministry, which we ought to have that desire, but I'm talking about what a biblical ministry desires to accomplish. Where does a biblical ministry head? What, what, what is the goal of a biblical ministry? And in this passage, God tells the leaders that they are going to be judged if they don't take seriously what ought to be the desire of a biblical ministry. And God says in verse 2 that the desire of a biblical ministry is to honor God's name. Honor God's name. Now, you read that and you would think that would be blatantly obvious. I mean, the church of Jesus Christ ought to honor the name of Jesus Christ, ought to honor God. But, just as in the days of Malachi, when the priest decided that, uh, you know, this whole ministry thing, it's not for God, it's not for anything, I mean, it's just for us to go through the motions. There, There are a lot of organizations out there that call themselves churches that make ministry about almost anything but Honoring the name of Jesus Christ, honoring the name of God the Father, honoring the Holy Spirit. They're not there to honor God. There's this this idea that that church is about self-enrichment, self-satisfaction, self-fulfillment, and you kind of hear the common theme in there, it's all about self. Right? Right? The, the people think that I come to a church to see how I can advance my own life and my own agenda and fulfill my dreams and make my life more comfortable. Because that's what God wants. God wants my life to be comfortable. And that's what happened in, in Malachi's day. They were indifferent toward God and the religious motions that they went through was just to, for themselves. But God says in verse 2, you need to listen And you need to take seriously the need to honor His name. And here's something that people might not understand. Honoring God is actually your greatest good. You know, people come to church thinking, I want my greatest good, and it's about fulfilling me and what it's all about me. But what we find in here is that the greatest good actually is honoring God. Honoring God is the greatest thing you could do for yourself. If you want to do what's best for yourself, and we're all good at that, if you really want to minister to yourself, then you center your life on God. You center your life on honoring God. That will be the focus. That will be the ministry's greatest desire. According to verse 5 of our passage, This is part of the covenant that brings life and peace. If you want life and peace, then it's not about you. It's about honoring God. You know, Jesus said Himself in Matthew 16, 25, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of Me will find it. Whoever loses their self everything self-fulfillment all about self the whole idea about self you lose it for me you give it to me you instead live to honor me that's gonna be your greatest good you are actually gonna find your life you will find your life when you give up your life for Jesus Christ that's when you'll find your life you really want peace you really want life you really want satisfaction you really want fulfillment you really want enrichment then don't make it about you make it all about Jesus Christ all about him and if a ministry is fulfilling its mission the ministry will point you in that direction the ministry is going to focus you there and it it will be the focus of the ministry but so many ministries put that in air quotes make it about honoring self it's all about self I want to read to you a snippet of a sermon, again, air quotes. And the name of the sermon is called Yes is in Your Future. When God laid out the plan for your life, He lined up the right people, the right breaks, the right open doors. He already has your yeses planned out. Yes to that promotion. Yes to that clean bill of health. Yes, you will get married. Yes, you are accepted into that college you may have been told no a thousand times but God has the final say and he says yes is coming your way yes you will accomplish your dreams yes you will overcome that addiction yes your children will fulfill their destiny yeses are in your future you know to tell you the truth I feel like I gotta clean my mouth out with soap Uh, after reading that now here's the thing can God heal? Yeah. Can God, I mean, does God plan your steps? Yes. But it has nothing to do about accomplishing your dreams and fulfilling your destiny. Now, from a, world, from a worldly perspective, just talking about the flesh, boy, everything in, in the flesh says, yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah, give me my yeses. I want whole lots of yeses. Yes. that Mercedes, yes to that million dollars or you know but when you hear something like that what is it all about, what is its focus what is the desire of that ministry it's about honoring self it's about God being the genie who's going to fulfill your dreams so where is the room for God's plan where is the room for God's purposes? I mean, it's acting like God won't ever allow you to walk a hard road. Okay, tell that to the original apostles who were all, all martyred, you know, except John. The early church that were martyred. Where were their yeses? Are we any different from... The early church from the Apostles I mean yeah he God wants you to go to college but you have an idea of where you want to go to college but guess what he might have a better idea he has a better plan for you I mean yeah our daughter is going to college far away my plan she was going to college a whole lot closer but guess what it's not about my plan It's not about my purpose it's not about my desires it's about what God wants and already in the month and a half that she's been there I see God at work and it's a whole lot better that we follow God's plan than we follow our plans so that he is honored he knows what he's doing and he's going to lead us in the way that is going to honor him and so it's not about saying yes to our dreams it's saying yes to God and when we're following God and our life is about honoring God guess what then we're going to find our life and peace but God warns in verse 2 if you do not listen and take seriously the need to honor my name I will send judgment on you and turn your blessing into curses and so a ministry's desire is to honor God because that is what is going to lead people to life and peace This is what we should expect of church. This is what we should expect of ministry. That is the desire of the ministry. But secondly today, our passage talks about the design of biblical ministry. The design of biblical ministry. What should biblical ministry look like? So God talks through Malachi to these leaders about what their ministry, for them, the priests. For us, it's talking to the church. What does this ministry entail? If a ministry is going to honor God, then it's designed to have two parts. First, there's going to be personal devotion. There's going to be personal devotion. The leadership should be personally devoted to their profession of faith so that they can lead God's people to do the same. The leaders with the people should not say one thing and do another. They should be devoted to God wholeheartedly. There is no room for hypocrisy. There is no room for the... Do as I say, don't do as I do kind of thing if the leaders are going to lead rightly they need to have a personal devotion that will then lead the people to a personal devotion and God through Malachi says that's the expectation in verse five in verse five in talking about the covenant that God made with the Levitical priests, God says those early priests they revered God they stood in awe of God they feared him they respected him and it showed in their life that it showed in everything that they did now yeah you can fake things to a certain point but but true reverence of god true i mean when you truly hold god in awe and you're honoring his name it's going to show through a life it's going to show through your countenance it's going to show through your words it's going to show through your actions it's going to show through your attitude have the countenance that follows the profession of faith have the lifestyle that follows the profession of faith I mean if one day a preacher is preaching about joy and the preacher looks like he sucked on about a thousand sour lemons you know who's going to listen to him about joy and it's not just the leaders the, p- the everyone needs to follow this it, 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 I mean it like We go out there and we try and tell someone that Jesus is better than what the world has to offer, but then we're out there living like the world rather than living for Christ. Is the world going to listen to a word we say? No. Are we really devoted to Him? Are we revering Him? Are we standing in awe of Him in our lifestyle? Because God through... Through Malachi says the early priests lived this way. This is what the priests did. This is what the early priests did. In Malachi's day, not so much, but the early priests did. In verse six, God says that the early priests walked with God in peace and integrity. In peace and integrity, they didn't. They, they, they didn't just merely say that they feared God. They didn't merely say, oh yeah, I think God is awesome. We sang today, you know, what an awesome God. It wasn't just mere words, though, they lived it. They lived like they really believed. Wow, what an awesome God. So faithful. So they they lived it. And they lived it even when other people weren't around. Right? It says, walk with God in peace and integrity. That's the true measure. Do you live like you're personally devoted to God even when other people aren't around when you're at home alone are you living like you're devoted to God when others don't see you when there's not a chance of being caught are you living devoted to God unfortunately excuse me we've heard of too many ministers Saying, preaching one thing, <coughs> and then living completely different. Unfortunately, there's people that I've personally known. Preached one thing, lived differently. True biblical ministry is not going to thrive unless there is a personal devotion, personal devotion from the leadership that is then, you know, translated, it is told, it is preached, it is lived out to the people. And so, one part of a biblical ministry, the design of biblical ministry, is having a personal devotion. But then, secondly, today, the other part of a biblical ministry is truthful instruction telling the truth, speaking the truth, preaching the truth. God, again, was commending the priests of old and what they did in honoring God. And he mentions in verse 6 that these priests who did good, they taught what was true. They, They didn't teach what the people wanted to hear. They taught what the people needed to hear. People need to hear the word of God. The ministry of the word to the people gave God's people a revelation of himself a revelation of His holiness, a revelation of His standard. And these priests that God is commending, they did not hold back from speaking God's truth no matter how it may have been received, no matter what people think. Because you see, it is better to offend someone with the truth in love than to let them live comfortably in sin. It is not loving to allow people to live in a way that will destroy them themselves in rebellion against God it is not loving to make people feel comfortable and good about themselves while they're on the road to hell that's not loving if you tell the truth in love now there is a way to tell the truth and, and you're a jerk and remember that's my saying don't be a jerk but when you tell the truth in love and people get offended by that truth at least you're telling them the truth The ministry that gives life and peace is a ministry of truth. Jesus prayed to the Father for His people, set them apart in the truth, sanctify them in the truth, and then what did He say? Your Word is truth. Life and peace is found in the truth of the Word. Life and peace is not found in a lie of positive affirmation. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and by golly, people like you. I mean, they do. You might be good enough and smart enough and people might like you, but that's not, you know, that's not where our affirmation comes from. It comes from the Lord. A ministry that blesses sin, a ministry that blesses corruption is not doing anyone any favors because it's not telling people the truth. Well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or offend anyone by telling them that they're a sinner. But the problem is the Bible says they're a sinner because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We're all sinner, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. I mean, if they don't know they're a sinner, how are they going to find that wonderful gift of life in Jesus Christ? You know, sin, no matter what terms you use for it to soften the blow, it still leads to death. Sin is not something to be celebrated. Death is not something to be celebrated like that. And so we tell the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. We tell the truth about sin. We tell the truth about humanity's plight. We tell the truth, though, also that God provided the only remedy. And that is Jesus Christ. We tell the truth that he is the only way. That is our responsibility. That is our responsibility of telling the truth. And we are given this responsibility and not just the leaders but the whole church is given this task of telling the truth and if we fail at what we are called to do we are responsible for not fulfilling the calling because we are called to be watchmen and watch women if you want to flip to Ezekiel 33 Ezekiel is is right before Daniel I'm just I want to read I don't have it up on the screen but I want to read what God told Ezekiel in verses 1 through 7, because what God told Ezekiel, you know, his responsibility, guess what? It's us. This is our responsibility. Not just, hey, you, preacher, that's your responsibility. This is our responsibility. And this is what Ezekiel says, this, what God had told him in Ezekiel 33 verses 1 through 7. He said the Lord's message came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, suppose I bring a sword against the land and the people of the land take one man from their borders and make him their watchman. He sees the sword, he sees an army coming against the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, but there's one who hears the sound of the trumpet yet does not heed the warning and then the sword comes and sweeps him away he'll be responsible for his own death. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not heed the warning. So he is responsible for himself. If he had heeded the warning, he would have saved his life. But, suppose the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people. And then the sword comes and takes one of their lives. He is swept away for his iniquity, But I will hold the watchman accountable for that person's death. As for you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you must warn them on my behalf. I don't want to tell people the truth because I don't want want them to hate me. I want them to like me. You're falling down on the job, watchman. We are watchmen. If we tell the truth and people don't receive it, it falls on their head. But if we do not tell the truth, it's on us. All those false teachers that are out there twisting the truth of Scripture are going to be held accountable, but not just them. All those who call themselves evangelical preachers and pastors who do not share the whole truth are gonna be held accountable because they did not share God's truth. I mean, okay, sure, they gave you five principles of how to be happier in this or that situation, but they did not share God's truth. God is honored when the truth is shared. This is important because at the end of verse six, it says that telling the truth of God's word turns people away from their sin. Top psychology and yum-yum preaching is going to pacify people in their sin. Telling the truth of Scripture is going to turn people away from their sin. Guess what? That's what God wants. And so you tell the truth. You know, okay, which, which is better? you Think about this, I guess, in, in, in this way. You know, you, you, you go to the doctor. He runs all these tests. Okay he has the results of the tests now he tells you everything is fine keep doing what you're doing but the tests show that something serious is going on with you and if you don't make some lifestyle changes you're gonna die but you know what at least the the doctor made you feel good about yourself is that good or is it better to hear the truth that the doctor tells you look if you don't stop doing this, or if you don't start doing this, you're going to die. That truth might hurt, but that truth is going to lead to life and peace. If it's heated. So which message is better? And so God says in verse 7, that the leadership should preserve knowledge of sacred things, and the people should seek instruction from him, because he is the messenger of the Lord of Heaven's armies the church and the church leadership has a great responsibility to instruct people in the ways of truth in the sacred things of the Lord and that is only found in God's word the Holy Scripture and if there is if there is a church leader that does not take this to heart and think that go, just giving some pop psychology rah rah let's go team kind of sermon is the way to go they need to find a new career because they're not following God's calling and God's word. And any church that supports that, any church that says, oh, we just, we just want to come in and, and fulfill our dreams. Tell us how to fulfill our dreams, preacher. It needs to shut down. Turn into a country club. Why don't you put in a pool? Let's, have, let's just grill out and, and have some fun around the pool for a while. You're sure not a church. And so this is the design that God has for the ministry of His people. And very, very quickly, very quickly, the destruction of biblical ministry. The destruction of biblical ministry. What happens when the ministry of the church does not honor God? What happens when the people don't lead and live in personal devotion or give truthful instruction? We find the answer in 8 and 9, verses 8 and 9. One consequence is that the leadership themselves turn away from the Lord eventually, a preacher who is not preaching the truth and leadership that is not leading in the truth, they're going to turn away from the Lord. This is what God accuses of the priests in Malachi's day. Beginning in verse 8, it says, you have turned from the way. You've turned from the way. You, leader, you have stopped following God. And what's the consequence when the leader stops following God? Guess what? The people have stopped following God. Because what does it say in verse 8? You have caused many to violate the law, and you have corrupted the covenant. So when, when the leadership decides that the church doesn't need to actually center on God's honor and it doesn't need to be led by God's word, well, everyone goes astray. It's a, it can be a fast fade. It can be a slow fade. You know, I, I think of the, the ministry of a- Andy Stanley. I mean, you're the son of Charles Stanley. I mean, a leader in the conservative resurgence, crying out loud. It started with questioning the sufficiency of Scripture. It led to the belief that you need to disconnect the Old Testament from the New Testament. And then it has led to hosting an LGBTQ conference that includes speakers who are in gay marriages, even though we know they're not legit marriages, but that's what they call them. Now there's obviously a whole lot more in there, but you get the gist. And God is shouting, you have turned from the way. You have caused many to violate the law and you have corrupted the covenant. And so preachers like this, they might have their day right now. They might be out there doing their thing. But God says in verse 9 that eventually he will cause them to be ignored and belittled before all people to the extent to which they are not following after him. So there's going to be a day of judgment that they're going to have to answer for. They're going to be brought before God, they're going to be brought before the angels, they're going to be brought before the assembly of the righteous, and every time they did not share the truth, every time they did not act as watchmen, will be brought to light. Biblical ministry is destroyed when God is not honored, when our lives are not devoted to God, and when the truth is not given as the instruction of the people. And so that means, Harvest Baptist Church, that we need to be watchful of our own ministries we need to work together to make this a God honoring place that allows scripture to point us to our amazing God our awesome God we want to be instructed in who he is what he wants what he did through Jesus Christ we want people centered on the truth not trying to keep up with the latest trends not trying to keep up with culture a culture that questions God and his word we don't want people to be caught up in a world that You know, the devil hasn't changed his tactics because he still says, did God really say that? We don't want to be caught up in that. And so Harvest Baptist Church, come to the altar and pray that we would be a place of true biblical ministry, that God is honored, and that his truth is always told. Whether people like it or not. But the truth is always told. Maybe you're looking for a church that has true biblical ministry join this church and join with us and pray with us and serve with us so that we are a true biblical ministry but maybe you don't know God because you don't know Jesus Christ listen to me. there is no other way it doesn't matter if you have gone to church for a hundred years if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ you are not one of God's children the only way to be one of God's children is to believe in Jesus to Throw all, everything on Him. I can't save myself, the church can't save me, my family can't save me, no one can save me but Jesus Christ. Thrust yourself upon Jesus Christ today, for He alone saves. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org, or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltre Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening. And God bless.